Hello, 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 everyone. Oh my goodness, I feel like I've been waiting years and years to do what this podcast is about to do, and that is to make How to Know Higher World into a Summer Book Club. Anyway, I'm so glad you're here with me, and I'm thrilled to be launching this season of How to Know Higher World with Rudolf Steiner on my podcast, That Good May Become with you and Lisa Romero. Let me tell you a little bit about Lisa if you haven't heard of her before. Um, I interviewed her for my last podcast, The Anthroposopher, and she's also been on my brother's podcast against everyone with Connor Habib um, several times recently, actually. So check her out there. She's the author of Inner Development Books and Courses and is a complimentary health practitioner. You can check out all her courses and the calendar, the lineup at innerworkpath.com. Uh, one of her books, The Inner Work Path, was very influential for me in my meditative practice when I was first getting deeply into it. So I highly recommend all her books. They're easy to read and packed with a lot of wisdom. You'll hear us talk about her new YouTube channel called Astral Arc. Um, each month it's taking on a virtue. There are interviews with young people, but it's super cool to me that it's on YouTube. It's very accessible. So I hope you'll check that out as well. Now, let me tell you about this episode um, and why I'm just like jumping up and down about it. Lisa Romero shares some really profound and personal experiences when I ask her the question I ask all of my guests, which is, please tell me about a spiritual experience or spiritual encounter. I am carrying her words with me and the feeling of the podcast and her whole understanding of spiritual development so brightly inside me. It's like a little hum in the undercurrent of all the tasks, all my daily tasks. It's just right there. I'm not going to tell you what she said what her spiritual experience was. You need to hear it from her directly in the first few minutes of the episode. Um, but I'm just so grateful that she opened up and shared. And I think what she did share is going to help a lot of people, um, young people that are coming into the world with these spiritual capacities, those of us that have sensed something or had glimpses of these spiritual capacities and want to bring them to the surface. And um, how to know higher worlds is threaded right through this. Okay, now y'all know my mood. I have a mood of jubilance and joy right now. And that's absolutely for certain. Let me tell you about the mood of the book that we'll be working with. Here's the thing. This book is all about you. It's not about Rudolf Steiner. It's not about me. It's not about any religion. It's not about dogma. It's about you. And I'm going to talk about right now just a little bit of what he writes about in the different prefaces to the edition that I have. He talks about individual authority and not accepting that there's a spiritual side of life or accepting a doctrine or even a book. It's about personal inquiry, personal authority, and personal insight. And that is illustrated in this quote that comes in another preface a little later in the book. And he says, if we read this book closely so that reading it becomes an inner experience, we will not only come to know its contents, but different passages will evoke different feelings. These feelings indicate the significance of these different passages for our own soul development and help us to discover how to adapt the various exercises to our own individual natures. You see how that is tied to you and what it's like for you when you read this book. 
And I hope what will happen while we're on this journey together is that you're going to message me and that you're going to email me and that you're going to send me um, something on Facebook and just tell me what it's like for you and what, what you're caught on, what's a challenge, what's like just with you all day long, what you dreamt about, what somebody said to you during the day that is connected to this book because that will bring it to life. And that's what I'm going to do when we're working with this book together. I'll be talking about my personal experiences with it, my favorite quotes from it, the things that challenge me, and um, just my overall experience of what it's like to go through this book with all of you. Just to tell you that the time period that one of these uh, editions came out in was 1914. And when I first read this little bit of the preface, um, it, it made me cry. And Rudolf Steiner says, the new edition of this book was printed and ready for sale when the Great War, now being experienced by humanity, broke out. Writing this preface, my soul is deeply stirred by this fateful event. So he was living in a time of war. We are living in a time of huge change and things being overturned, things happening under the radar, people just being so forthright and honest and at the same time a lot of deception and um you know he he framed what he was doing in the time he was living in and i would say yes we need to do that while we're reading this book too so next time after this podcast with lisa we will dive into chapter one which starts out with the conditions for attaining spiritual capacities i'm here as always disrupting materialism with you in this series will be disrupting what materialism about what it means to have a spiritual path and we'll do that together so thank you thank you thank you for sharing the episode sharing the podcast following it telling people about it and most importantly for getting in touch with me and sharing your experiences they move me so deeply and i will bring them onto the podcast as you bring them to me Welcome to That Good May Become with me, Laura Scappatici, where we learn to illuminate the esoteric in our everyday lives. I'm so glad to be here with you um, and knowing that you're over in Ireland and I'm here in California and that we're connecting is still every time, just like a plane in the air, a miracle to me. <laughs> yeah, it's great. And this is the first conversation we've had since you moved into this podcasting. And so it's really nice to be back and talking. We've done many conversations. So now it's on your platform. Thank you. Yes, that is very exciting to me. And I'm super excited about this season I have coming up on How to Know Higher Worlds. Um, and that book is known by many names. Um, but I know that that has been an important book to you. And probably we'll get into that a little bit later and other work that you're doing. But usually the first thing I ask people on this podcast is to talk about a spiritual experience or encounter that they've had you know, big, small, whatever they're comfortable with, just so people are, you know, carrying that kind of thing with them in conversation when, when appropriate. So that's why I'm, we start out that way. So. Yeah. Well, um, that, that's such a, that's such a big question. I think, you know, 
my life has been so deeply related to spiritual experience and spiritual encounter that I kind of live with that as a reality and it's a deepening, growing reality. But I think one of the reasons that that is so is because as a young child, I had certain experiences that just could not be understood by the world, the, the normal world, or the normal world, whatever that means, by people in life. It was, it was not fathomable. And those experiences led me to um, just constantly question the reality that we were living in. Um, and part of that experience was connected to something I had not spoken about in public before, or perhaps only in a small group, but it was it's linked to um seeing before things occur. And that was hard as a child because I even as a young child, I wondered about free will. Because if I've seen all this before it's occurred, what's free will? And, of course, I was too young to really understand all the possibilities of why that could be possible. Um, And in my journey, I think Rudolf Steiner's work was the only place that I could get some insight into that. But the interesting thing is, carrying the spiritual experience without an answer but more like a quest has been what has developed capacities more than the experience itself. So, for instance, I became aware even by the time I was a teenager that the more present I was in a given moment, the more I would be likely that I had seen that moment previously. And I also realized that what I was seeing was the content of my inner world. So the more clarified I was, the more uh, present and not disordered and not associative in my thinking and all of those things, again, the more that was um, showing itself. So in a way, the, the, the great sort of burden that I felt like I carried and carried alone became of itself a schooling. So before I knew anything about mindfulness or any of these uh, words, they weren't, they weren't words when I was young, but I knew that that was necessary to, to understand what was taking place, not to understand it, but to awaken to it more directly so one of the things I would say is that a spiritual experience and this is something that has proven itself in my life is if you imagine it is just a word and you're not going to get the whole story unless you actually work with that word that you've been given so if someone comes to me and says look I've had this experience or this happened in the night I would say you know, carry it, work with it. Don't just let it go by. Don't deny or ignore it or 
keep working with it as though it is a part of your training and it continues to reveal itself and to to this day (laughs) 50 years later I continue to work with this experience and it continues to inform me and I've you know on occasion met somebody incredibly wise and said to them how is this possible you know I'm seeing things not a few days before, everyone could understand that in a certain way of the, of the effect, but, but, but sometimes years before. How is this possible? So, but in the working of it, it's led to so many things, but it also meant that I wasn't um, impressed upon by the normalcy of this reality um, ever. Because I, I had to always juggle the fact that I was having um, other experiences, which meant that, you know, by the time I was 15, I was in India and how to meditate. By the time I was 20, I was working with a Rosicrucian, and she gave me knowledge of the higher worlds. Perfect circle. <laughs> yeah, so... Look, I, that's, I know it's a, that's a very short answer to this long journey, but it's also a very long answer because, I, you know, life is full of spiritual experiences and spiritual encounters. But what I've learned is don't let them pass you by. Imagine that they are something to do with your own training. Hmm. Wow. Thank you. Uh, it's such a powerful um, story of your life and then how it's like continued to be there again and again. And that advice is so incredible because I do think, you know, sometimes something will happen for me and I'll be like, wow, that was so, yes, that tree was totally talking to me. <laughs> something happened, you know, talking and like the materialistic sense, not like that, but um and then I'm like, what do I do with that? Okay. I'm just like holding that in the back of my mind or whatever, or, or a dream will happen that I know has some import, like there's something about it. And then do I just let it go? It's this idea of continuing to have it be with me as like a companion, as like a a teacher in a way, or, or just something, something that is supposed to stay present and uh, work with it. Thank you. Yeah, and you can, you can, for instance, rebuild that experience uh, again and then extinguish the picture and just sit off and see what else it wants to say, see what mm. else that is. Because, yeah, uh, you know, the words could not contain, <laughs> the world could not contain the books that would be written if you were to explore everything that's coming through this um, unfolding mystery, really. Yeah. Right. And and I love that too. And I, I wish everyone could see like the radiant smile on your face right now when you talk about the unfolding mystery. I mean, that's such a beautiful um, joy connected to it. Like here, here it is, here's life, here's all these things happening and just keep moving with it and live with the, like you said, it's a quest. It's not an answer. It's not like, okay, why did this thing experience happen. And, you know, sometimes people are like, how can I recreate that? 
or what does it mean? It's it's just this very living relationship to it inside yourself. So that's yeah. And and that this book, you know, How to Know Higher Worlds is yeah. really connected to that idea of holding the the question and the path. Um I wanted to say was so interesting to me too, that you're a teenager and you realize how important presence is. And I mean, come on, I have teenagers in my house, like presence is hard for teenagers (laughs) fully like in bunk. Can you talk about that a little bit more, this presence idea, because it seems like part of this, this quest. Yeah. Well, look, I mean, I remember trying to relay to my aunt about this process of um, seeing ahead. And I said to her, look, I'm seeing everything I'm thinking and feeling. So if I am actually right with you, right in this moment, fully to the conversation, absolutely engaged, then when I see it (laughs) before it happens, because this is hard, because you're all there. Um, when I see it, it will be clear, it will be clear. Now, you're probably aware of this in um, How to Know Higher Worlds. One of the first things that happens in your development is your dream life, your nightlife, as I call it, um, b- b- cleans up. It gets more order to it because actually it's reflective of the ordering of your internal world in the day. And so the more able you are to be present in your thoughts, in your feelings, and in your uh, engage with what you're doing, the more likely your nightlife will get more clarity and you'll start to have those more significant dreams. So the first impulse, the first uh, awakening is really that the night takes on a very different quality. Then we have these dream dreams which are, are, are much more like a instruct, instruction, not the right word, but a, a, a lesson or an education. And you begin to learn uh, while we're sleeping. Now, we're all doing this. It's just that most of us forget because we're so full of the restlessness of our chaotic life that we can't, we haven't got the room for that um, in the digestive process of sleep to experience actually what's being poured into us and supporting us. So for some reason, and, you know, this is only one aspect of it, as I said, I've worked with this for 50 years, but one aspect is, is that was already available to a, to a degree, and also, but obviously it was extended. So at, at the age of 15, yeah, I was so aware that everything was dependent on how I was in the moment to how I was able to then pre-see it. <laughs> it's not that we don't all actually work, it, because on the astral plane, life is going in a different direction. So that's not an uncommon experience. But most people don't get to see it because of, again, what they hold in themselves. So um, how to support presence in a teenager? Well, 
actually it's often about making helping them to engage with what they're thinking, what they're feeling, what they're doing, linking that together. And unfortunately, the age of screens, it's easy because of the way it places you into a sort of subdued state, can diminish that presence. We know it's we know this attention economy harvests attention where your attention to things, the time, energy, and attention, what you give it to, um, actually will grow in your life. So I used to, you know, with the teenagers that I've worked with, <laughs> I would just engage them in interesting things, submerge them in things, even if they're going, oh, yes, it's boring. You just continue, you know, to take them to the plays, walk them in the where you've got to walk them. And, of course, they also engage with the this the peer group in, in a totally different way into life. But you're still giving them this other food. Now, some people feel that once you've got a teenager, there's no point in giving them this healthy nourishment anymore. But actually think about it, you know. Yeah, absolutely it's useful. Yes, they're going to eat a lot more junk. But if you keep supplying the salads, you're, you're just balancing up a little bit. And then when they get into their early 20s, and it inevitably happens, they start choosing the healthy foods out of themselves. But if you think, no, too late, the horse is bolded, you know, they're just going to put whatever they want into themselves, whatever food, whether it be through the scent section or through the um, body, I wouldn't give up. Don't give up. Parents these days give up far too early. Yeah. I, I agree. They do give up too early. I feel like giving up sometimes, <laughs> especially after the year we just had. I'm like, I'm just let's just watch some TV every night, <laughs> which is like honestly, that's not really a bad example of it. that's not even so bad because there's so much else happening during the day for them that is enriching and beautiful. But it's like that extra effort to say yes, let's go on this hike or yes, have you heard of this? music or this philosopher or, or what do you think about this problem happening in the world or whatever? Um, it is a really important time. And I think, yeah, the, gosh, we could talk about children forever. Can we have another podcast where we're talking about, <laughs> I really want to talk about the 12 year change. I want to talk about all that high school stuff that happens. It's just so intense and incredible. And I have that all going on in my house right now, but, um, but yes, so what I, I was just, of course, I'm taking notes while you're talking, <laughs> not for people listening, for me, um, no, but for, <laughs> for everybody as well. Um, but this idea of, you know, people do have this, what they call deja vu or whatever that is. And maybe that is like, you know, they're like, oh, I've been here before, but it just glimmers and then it's gone. It's so, it's so fast. And what I hear you saying and what I would say, how to know how our worlds will go back to that in a minute is this, like you're saying, this presence in daily life is yes. what allows you to meet those encounters with a knowing or an understanding. And so the more present you are with, with everything, um, yeah. you know, yeah, that's uh, what a thing to um, be 
gifted with or just to have in, in your life at such a young age. And then to have to, you know, work through that. And, um, yeah. And you pointed yourself in that direction. It kept going towards it. That's incredible. I think, um, yeah. Why do you think people need these capacities right now? I have my own theories on why it's so important for people to work with this book or some path that, you know, keeps them grounded in the present, but also expands these capacities. Why is it important right now? Well, it's it's what the machine cannot do. The machine will supersede us in intellect. It already has, and it will go so far that um, we will feel the worthlessness of our existence unless we actually understand there are these other capacities that makes us truly human. And part of that is extending in the knowledge of the higher worlds as allows us to develop the faculties so that we can actually really perceive these other experiences and states of being but it also brings us into this real humanness because we the central focus is connected to developing the heart chakra. And that links us to these, what I am speaking quite a bit about at the moment, the new um, mystery centre of the heart. So mystery centres used to be outside of ourselves. You know, we would go, you know, and it, would be, it was for the chosen few, really. The high, you know, the, the, those that were in the know, and the festivals were a way that the chosen few brought that out into the whole community. They actually, but it was kind of woven in this way of which it still stayed somewhat a mystery. But now the mystery center has moved. It's act, It's connected to the human heart. So we meet people there if we can go there. If I can go, then you can go there. When two or more can gather in that place, and that's a really potent experience. And, and and actually it's interesting because I thought, why am I saying this to Laura <laughs> about this experience? And here I am. And it's because when we talk, I drop into my heart and I feel like I'm just having a conversation with such a dear friend and yet we hardly see each other and yet and so there's something to do this this heart center and I know that that's been something of your gift for the anthroposophical world to to kind of say yes if we just school only the intellect which is absolutely important we won't be able to go forward and this is too initiatic knowledge that the mystery center of the heart. Now, there are some extraordinary things that could only be developed through awakening our consciousness through thinking. And one of those, interestingly enough, is connected to the observer and the witness and that part of you that is that second self that can look upon yourself. This higher self was talked about in the beginning of how to know higher worlds. And everyone has this second self, but you have to awaken that first. But once that's awoken, all knowledge acquired that has usefulness for the world is acquired through the connection to the heart. Otherwise, it's information 
that can tell you a lot about the spiritual worlds and other realms, but what what use is it? What you, how does that, and see the heart says, I am developing myself to help develop the world. The heart says it's about love. The heart says it's about us. It's about humanity. That That's not going to necessarily happen if we don't take that step to the, the mystery centre of the heart and we only stay with the, oh, I've recognised the two selves and now this everyday self is no longer important to me and I'm just going to kind of scale these heights with my observer, mindful witness. But where's the heart? That is it. It That's exactly where we are right now. I mean, we could have all the information in the world and that does not make us more human. This, the heart is what connects us to each other, to our, to nature, to the natural world, to, to all, all these um, beings that have this heart quality. It's, they're just right there. And it, and it comes through, you know, it's, it, it's thinking about like <laughs> sometimes when I would be working for the Anthroposophical Society and having like all these different spiritual experiences through the work and I was so connected in and I would just want to like go up on a hill and just be alone and just meditate <laughs> and be like, I have the spiritual task. I cannot do like, here I am. I, I would like crash back into daily life. I'd be like on a, on a, you know, in a meeting for five days and everybody's talking to spiritual content. And then I would come home and then, you know, there'd be like some dog barf on the floor <laughs> to clean up and like the laundry and then the plant died, you know, like there's always stuff going on. And then I think, you know, he warns about this in the book, like you have to just stay in your daily life, or I don't know if he warns, but he does, he does talk about that. And it sounds like it's connected to what you're saying here. It's like this, this life, the the mystery of the heart and, and not this, um, just being in the intellect. It's not going to help me if I go up on the mountain. Like that's not, I don't know. Can you say a little bit more about that? Because I, people feel like some people don't approach meditation or approach a spiritual path because they're like, I don't have any time I have all this that I'm doing. I can't, I, you know, if I can't be at a silent retreat, it's not worth it for me. Or it's just not working. It's not working is actually what they'll say. Like it doesn't doesn't do anything for me. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think when we listen into the world right now, we know that without our participation, you know, we're we're on a particular track, and so this this idea of inner development for world development that really comes out of the Western esoteric path very strongly um, is very uh, working on yourself in a way and being a part of the world and bringing what you've developed into the world. So when we look at the mystery centre of the heart, we, we, we would obviously feel straight away part of that initiation is connected to love, right? But what do we know of love? <laughs> you know, we don't know much about love, and yet that is actually our new human journey, to deeply unfold and, um, and grow and build this uh, human capacity of love. And so that, 
has to have positive effects in your life. Even if you can't sort of shut off your everyday self and be in that isolation, which sometimes it's necessary for certain aspects of the path. But when you're working with love, you're really working with the practice of um, bringing love into the world. Now, that isn't meaning, you know, I love you because what you do pleases me and I gain something from it. That's not, you know, that's generally what the what we think of as love or some form of love. But one aspect of it which is so um, relevant to today and the cry of today is this need for moral development, which again is there in the beginning of, I don't know, higher worlds, but we're hearing it everywhere, whether it's coming out of the mouths of the, those that are on a spiritual path or those that are atheists. That actually, everyone's saying we need greater moral development. People are saying, hold on with this AI, because without moral development, we are going to suffer this. It, so much could happen here, because look at the forms that have created the world. We could say a lot of what's taking place has an, is working on the side of immorality when we look at the way of corporations and big, big everything is at work. <laughs> big, whatever's big, it seems to be <laughs> struggling. Big profit, <laughs> whatever's connected to that. Big politics, big, big pharma, big whatever. Yeah. What we really are saying is if we want to move the world into the next phase of its development, we work in this next phase of our development. Now, for most people, they have a second, they have this recognition somewhere that there's this everyday part of themselves that they get bound up to and they identify so strongly with. But even if they've had a glimpse at meditation, they know they're able to put that to one side. And so who's able to put it to one side? What's What still resounds in me? So even though we might not have the full experience of the birth of the higher eye, we have these continual growing um, experiences where let's know that there's so much more not just to the realms of experience, but to the knowledge of your own being. So this beginning of real discovery of the spiritual world actually comes in relationship to something that's spiritual within you. I think it was Blavatsky said, if you want to perceive the spirit without, you must first awaken the spirit within. So there is something about these stages that are given so well in How to Know Higher Worlds it begins, though, with morality, but it all points to this necessity to build the heart centre because from there everything else flows. So if you have awoken to this ability to put your everyday self to one side, the next step is the mystery centre of the heart. Now, there are things that... Um, help us you know just a simple mindfulness exercise is enough but then once once we enter into working with the new mystery center of the heart 
we have to see what are those initiatic needs there. And one of those is really about developing a capacity for morality. Now, we all have some capacity for morality. It comes with us. You know, it's, it is there, even if it's covered over and hidden and concealed and it's and we live in completely in the realm of desire and greed that is deeply there and it's it, it speaks in to our conscience so it's already available for us on some level but development is to take that further to 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 grow into capacities that you haven't yet acquired, but you know if you had them, you would have met the circumstances in your life better. And this is where your own life becomes the right book as well to read because it's always instructing you what is it you actually want to develop because you got the circumstances will reveal to you what's missing It'll also help you to apply what you have. And that's an extraordinary thing. Life itself is a schooling. And if you can really take that first um, principle of study, you are a student to your life. And if and and once that's so true, I mean, you know, for me, that's why I'm a student even to the spiritual experiences that that <laughs> extend to all of the all of life. Yeah. Mm, thank you. I I love how you said that. You said you know your, your life is the right book. Your life is the right book. That's it. And so yes. Yeah, so I mean. It's funny because, like I said, I will come home from these meetings and then all these things will ha- be happening. And I've been like up on a mountaintop with a bunch of other people talking about anthroposophy. But that crash in, that that was instructive. So it it, it was, I think, trying to teach me to be yeah. all of those things at once, to be holding that spiritual picture and wiping the floor. And seeing the other person ahead of me, instead of just being in my head and thinking about the meeting, being present, you know, there was so much for me to learn from there. And I'm still learning that, of course, but um, so always learning that. But yeah, and this idea that, you know, you get presented these circumstances to to learn. Yeah, we're going to say something. Yeah. Yeah. I often say if it's always useful to um, consider in a way that the the events of your life that didn't are not going well, therein lies the things you still need to develop. And the, th- the things that are going well are usually things that you're able to give and bring to something. And there is this kind of... Uh, in a certain way, like it is the greatest book you're going to read on one level. And there are some extraordinary esoteric works. And Rudolf Steiner does say that knowledge of the higher worlds or how to know higher worlds, as it's now called, um, and a small book called Light on the Path, both of those texts will help to awaken the higher eye just by working with them. And that's quite something because once that higher eye is awoken, you really do have your guide 
and there you can really take sides in your schooling. Did you know that life is not just what <laughs> what we're lullabied into thinking it is? You know, this anaesthetizing world. You know, and you can't not know it. And, you know, I was fortunate or unfortunate, it's always not so clear sometimes to know, that I knew it from the very early age. It, it, it was hard because it meant it was hard to just enter into the unconsciousness that seems to be a part of growing up. Um, it's hard to be a teenager that knows those things. But here I am, there must be a reason for it, and I take it absolutely now as this is it. This is the schooling that I've been entered into, and I just do as best I can with the lessons that have come my way. But I know, absolutely know, they're all there designing to help us come home to this deepest relationship in the spiritual world, even the hardest of lessons. Yeah. That, that's the perspective is so strengthening, right? Yeah. So, I mean, I think <laughs> I was talking to someone before this interview, um, my friend John, and I said, you know, do you have any thoughts on, on this book? You want And he said, well, how to know higher worlds? He said, first of all, people are going to say, are there higher worlds? <laughs> you know, and what, what I hear you, obviously you have these strong experiences so young. And I think that and probably everybody listening, you know, has a sense of it. But they're, like you said, it's sort of normal, whatever that means, like culture or materialistic culture um, doesn't really allow for that picture. But it, if, is it connected to that mor moral morality that you're talking about? Um, can people access that like I'm I'm always like love is an invisible force so can we you know there are other things that are invisible like that we believe in you know or we we have a connection to um belief is not really the right word but um can you say a little bit about that for people that are just like yeah right <laughs> well look there are different realms of of the of spiritual experience so the astral world is quite different from the spiritual world as we're calling it or the christian faith might call it the heavens or the indian traditions may call it devachan but these realms um present different experiences so the astral world is that bridge between this consciousness and the spiritual world where you get the pictures. So that's the way we have sort of dreaming consciousness. We pass through that every time we go to sleep. When we go into the spiritual world, we go there usually in deep sleep. And so every night you you enter there, but you don't know about those other realms. You, you, you bring back only the little bits that you can bring back. So we pass through the astral realm, which is this picture consciousness, and we enter into this uh, to the spiritual world. Where if you haven't had deep sleep, you you're not revived, you're not resourced. So when you learn to meditate and you learn to go there consciously, fifteen minutes of that place, that space, can feel like four hour sleep. It's so 
resourcing. So those people that say, I don't have time to meditate, once they get there, they say, I don't have time not to meditate because it gives you so much more in in your ability to be in the world and give to the world. So in this realm of the spiritual world, in now it's not just it's it's not so much a place but a consciousness <laughs> and yet there is a a way of speaking about it which makes it feel like it is somewhere else but as we move into that realm it is also divided into different um, experiences and so in certain aspects in certain parts of the spiritual world i would say it's like a moral atmosphere <laughs> imagine that that you are breathing moral <laughs> atmosphere <laughs> unlike here where we breathe oxygen it's it's a different and so you you you, you know you're there the, the world is good you know it. god is love it's true all the religions have said it in one way or another the, that is that is there. So it's us participating with those realms that helps us to begin to build a build a connection to that moral substance. Now, one of the pictures that Rudasana speaks about is that we become participants in this in spiritual world in order to carry its revelations into the earth, because we ourselves are that bridge that can bring that into the world. So if we want to see the future that is connected to the being of love, the spiritual world, then we ourselves have to participate in that. So, you know, working with connecting to the substance of morality is different than just doing good things. I mean, in fact, sometimes being a do-gooder can be troublesome because most of the time you want to pat on the head aren't you such a good boy you did the dishes or whatever it is but that that's not that's not morality morality has a substance in it that the that, that echoes um it, it, sort of the, the depths of your own being it's not a toll from outside of you you should you shouldn't and you're not doing it so you don't go to hell and you're not doing it so you do go to heaven it's actually with you and that is why we need to learn about what love is because morality is love in action. So how how do we bring those virtues into being? First we have to connect to the substance of that. Now some of the virtues you may have a sense of because they really resonate in you and others you may feel like, oh, I really don't get them, but all all of the great cosmologies and religions connect to something of understanding love and virtue. And it really depends on your divine ideal. And I, I do say to people, get a sense of what your divine ideal is. Your divine ideal will be what raises you inwardly towards something that's beyond yourself. If If you've been indoctrinated into religion and your religion makes you feel less than and little and a, a worthless piece of nothing you probably that's not your divine ideal 
you because you, you div- your divine ideal works for you and it could be that it is love it could be that it is nature it could be that it is something you can't quite you know if you're a buddhist it's buddha if you're a christian it's christ i mean that's how open Ruta Steiner really is about that finds your divine ideal and then you're You'll notice that once you've got a sense of your divine ideal, you also have what are those echoing virtues of it. If, if you're a, a Muslim, it may be connected to hospitality. If you're a Buddhist, it may be to loving kindness and compassion. You know, there's so many different virtues are spoken of, but what we're trying to do today in the mystery center of the heart is to connect to the um, not the smorgasbord, that's the wrong one, but it's almost the smorgasbord, isn't it? The, the, to, to deepen our connection to virtues beyond the ones that we already know, extend ourselves. It's a little bit like what people are trying to do today in thinking, you know, that you know, we really need to see the other's point of view. In the mysteries, we're trying to do that in the heart realm, in the realm of love. How could I understand the love that you carry, the divine ideal that you carry? How would I help you to unfold that more in your life? And that's a whole different um, reality that we will need in the future because so many people are going to be unemployed with the AI and all the changes are going to happen and what will we do with the time on our hands? Well, it will be harvested back to the machine unless we understand what we're here to do. And the mission of Earth is love. That is a statement that has been made and is understood and the spiritual world continues to reveal it to be so. That's incredible. I I love how like love, let me just keep using that word, but I love how personal the mystery center of the heart is and how expansive it is at once and how, how it will help us meet the future. And, you know, all of us here on this planet. Um, Can you talk about your YouTube channel for a minute? Because it's called The Moral Arc and it's connected to these virtues you're talking about. And I love that it's on YouTube because people are there. That is where people are and where they're seeking, you know. Um, The astral arc. So the astral astral arc. arc. I'm sorry, not the moral arc. It is where each month I'm bringing um, virt- a different virtue to work with and a verse that goes with the uh, the month and a meditative verse for those that want to work in the meditative way, a heart substance um, practice. And each session starts with a different exercise to be able to put yourself to one side and then to follow your consciousness into the heart center and to build uh, build upon this moral substance. It's called the astral arc because the astral world is becoming more active and dominant in our daily world. And really, the, spirit, the true spiritual world lives beyond that. So we have to be a little cautious of not getting caught up in the highways and byways of astral life, but move beyond that. And there's one thing that gets you beyond that, and that is love, because love's home draws you to where uh, to, to the spiritual world so working with the mystery center of the heart and the initiations that are a part of that 
Now that's if you look if you start to ponder on it, you'll notice that has always been a part of your life circumstances. We think we're being educated about one thing, but when you look at it again from another perspective, you can realize, oh, actually, yeah, I can see that there was moral development was going on here or being called for here as well. So, yeah, Astral Arc, A-R-C, and it's also got conversations with young people that are asking about inner development. And it's just it's just a wonderful thing to have those young voices. And then various artists having songs that they have written out of connecting to inner development. And then there's, and I do a few talks on the basic meditative practice, but also why going through this portal of death through the intellect and putting your everyday self to one side and being really awakened to that observer or that second self is really useful because then you're not working in your heart out of selfishness because it's not out of your personal preferred particular self which darkens this light of the spiritual life. You put that to one side and then you enter into this um, working with the virtue. I also think it's really wonderful for young people to know that there are hundreds of people practicing these things in these times where it's hard to find morals <laughs> being displayed, that it it is important for people. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and then to have some um, authority in a way or to have your will work at it rather than um, – giving your will or authority over to a substance that might do that for you in a way, or you think it's doing it for you, helping you access that, you know, it's, it's a very, you know, it's work like this, this book, this book is a lot of work. <laughs> and, you know, of course, if you haven't read Steiner ever, it feels like even more work because you're trying to understand the language, but there are exercises upon exercise and like concept upon concept or um, not dictate, but like, you know, this, you know, it's not for you, it's for other people. If you're taking, you know, for every step you take on this path of self-development, you inner development, you need to take two on the path of like service to humanity, you know, like that kind of thing. I'm not quoting exactly, but uh, it's yeah. a lot of work. And so to have a place where people can come and watch these conversations and hear you talk about that, that a person can do that within themselves and and not have it come to them through some other way um, and not lose themselves while doing it. Well, I think you're right because what, what is happening is people know that there's got to be more to life and they're really interested. I mean, teenagers are bearing the brunt of this, you know, this agitated existence and they're also looking for other experiences and, you know, substance will take you onto the astral plane. You will have experiences there, particularly if you take any sort of hallucinogen. But it isn't out of your own um, activity. So it's very hard to for that to become um, a progress on your spiritual path, even though you may feel like, oh, I'm having experiences. Really, I would say, I've often said to people, 
would you rather see or serve? Because if you want to prefer to see the spiritual world than serve the spiritual world, you possibly have to do some work on your moral development first. And and people are so interested in any experience, they're not really worried about what the consequences of that are. Um, So I I think that there is going to be a lot of um, fallout from the machine with trying to get other experiences. In fact, it's interesting. I wrote a book many years ago called Sex, Education, and the Spirit. And then after that, I wrote a book called um, Healing the Impact of Technology. And then I wrote a book on uh, conscious inner development and substances. And my colleagues were like, what are you going to write about next? Because every time you write about something, it becomes this major issue. <laughs> like, oh, my God, what will you write about? And I'm like, I know. This is just, it's like, and that's part of having this foreseeing capacity. You see what's coming and... You, you know, you try to try to put some healthy pictures there because you know that when things come, we're always unprepared as a collective. <laughs> when have we ever been prepared for what's to come? We <laughs> and so, uh, yeah, I would say right now my primary work is not on, you know, the – in the development of substance use, that that was that's really just one of those side things. It's really about the initiation of the heart because I see that as the that's going to change the course. This is something we're on. This is the the course we're going to be on for a long time. Now it is quite possible that not all of humanity will take that course. It's quite likely that there will be people that will choose more to bind closer and closer to machine in in all shapes and forms and ways of which that will occur. But that once you've awoken to this mystery centre, you you won't want that because the machine can't give you this. And it is so deeply, extraordinarily (laughs) a a mystery. You want to walk the mystery. You don't want some algorithm sorting out your life. God, you want this extraordinary possibility. And it is, it is, an, you know, it's not an easy journey. You're right. It requires work. It requires our participation. But boy, does life grow all the richer for it. Yeah. Funny because I, I was picturing when you were saying, you know, are we prepared? Are we prepared for the future? And, you know, and these visions you have. And I was imagining people that stockpile, you know, like, like, like get all the water and then have the canned goods. They have like a bunker they have. And I was like, oh, what if that bunker was filled with this kind of resource? Like this capacity, this, this, yeah. you know, the, the heart capacity. And we had all of that like stored in ourselves and in our in our communities. And then we we were just able to meet the the thing with that instead of, you know, just like I've got my can opener and my beans and sorry if you don't have any. You know, that would be a very different picture of preparation and what we have and capacity that we have to meet the future. I'm so grateful you shared that story at the beginning. Uh, <laughs> and and your experience I think is so important because uh, just opens the door for so many people to um, 
relate or and understand and see someone that's walked that path and what's possible and your development and who you are as an example of that. It's just really incredible. Is what else do you want to say while we're while we're here and before we wrap up? Well, you know, I I sometimes think what would have happened had I not met the work of Rudolf Steiner. You know, there's so many people that have walked before us which has allowed us to sort of keep on track, to be aware of the difficulties and to keep um, keep knowing we need to keep on, keeping on. And I guess the greatest uh, force of that is connected to to the being of love and so you know as much as each one of us take our little steps which is so important for the world we also know that everyone in somewhere is doing it that is able to do what the great teacher said and love one another in all the ways that we can do that so, look, I feel very blessed for, for the fact that my life has, you know, it's not been, it's certainly not easy. It's, it's, easy is not the word, but it is still incredibly uh, blessed because of what has helped on the way. And I think that's part of this loving one another. How do we help each other? So that's why I put these little things out for people to, to, take up if they if they wish to because it could be of help that's great that's great and I'm glad you're putting them out um and and I'm I mean I feel the same way about this about Rudolf Steiner about the development and the inner development my daughter the other day (laughs) the 11 year old she's like mommy I know why you post on Instagram now because when you love something you want to share it with people so they can see it too. And I was like, yes, that's why it's about, it's about like, here's something beautiful. Here's a possibility. Here's what you could, what I see. Do you see it too? Do you see this beauty? Do you see this love? And here it is. So I'm, I'm so grateful for the work that you're doing. I'm so grateful you said yes. And we made this happen today too. And I'll put the links in to the YouTube site and to how people can reach you and um yeah like i said anything else that you you want me to share or you want to share people can work with me in a deeper way on my courses at innerworkpath.com you can link in and um yeah i think keep on keeping on and working the ways machines can't that's it that's it exactly 